Welcome to Season 8 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Passionate about leadership education? You want to expand your resource toolbox with practical teaching, learning, and program design strategies? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. So this is our eighth season where we're focused on research and scholarship in the field. Um, Overall, we're asking all of our guests, you know, where do leadership educators go for research? Um, We're talking to journal editors, leadership scholars, peer reviewers. We're trying to paint this entire kind of holistic picture of what research and scholarship is like in our field. Today, our guest is Dr. Jackie Bruce editor of the Journal of Leadership Education and an associate professor in the Department of Agricultural and Human Sciences at NC State, as well as the undergraduate coordinator of the Leadership in Ag and Life Sciences minor and co-director of the Oaks Leadership Scholars. In today's episode, Jackie is going to talk about her role as the editor of a leadership publication. She's going to share her insight with us on what makes a great leadership article, what trends she sees, anything that'll help us better understand how to write, how to publish, how to review, um, even eventually maybe how to lead a journalist uh, of such esteem. Um, We'll talk about all of this process today with Jackie. So officially, Jackie, welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast Show. Thanks you both for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. We're super excited to to have you too, Jackie. And so you are definitely on the, the short list of folks that we had been wanting to have on as a guest since we started the podcast back in 2019. And it was um, kind of like with, with Susan Kamavez, we were like, okay, if we're going to, we want to have this person on and uh, we want to make sure we have them on to talk about something that they're passionate about and not just have them on just to go through the motions of having these particular folks on. And so this is, we're really excited to dive into something that we know you're, you're super passionate about. And also you were somebody who I was really, really lucky to meet really early on in my career. My very, very first ALE conference was back in 2011, Association of Leadership Educators, and that was at uh, in Denver. And I was brand new, I think, to everything. Definitely brand new to that association, which I think is what's brought me back is how welcoming folks were. There was just like a bunch of folks all randomly going out to dinner. I feel like the place was called like the the Cherry Cricket or something like that. It was like a burger bar. Yes. Um, yes. It's... <laughs> it's- um, one of my favorite burger bars. Colorado is my home state. Um, I went to college uh, just up the road in Fort Collins, so That's I know right. the Cherry Cricket well. Okay, must have been your recommendation. That's when I met um, your colleague, Sarah Briarton. Well, your former colleague, but uh, obviously she helped out a ton with, with the journal. And uh, just... Over the next few years, over probably from 2011 20 to 2015 or 16, um, I think it was because of the kindness of folks like like you and Sarah and others that I was uh, encouraged and, and wanted to be a part of the board. You always lent a, a kind ear and was willing to mentor a very young and ignorant assistant professor. And so I appreciate that and just being really generous with your time and, and helping to connect me with folks. And so just thank you for that. And really, really excited to uh, for you to share, drop some knowledge uh, on us today and with our audience here at the Leadership Educator Podcast. So, Well, that's uh, very kind of you to say. I appreciate that. 
Well, I mean it. So before we get into the journal, like how did, how did you get into your role? Like how did you end up, I guess, both as a leadership educator and then also how did you end up as the editor for the journal Leadership Education? Um, so that's interesting because my background is political science um, and I am still a political nerd, a political junkie. I listen to way too many political podcasts. I probably read way too much political Twitter. Um, but that being my background, I moved from political science, having had experience working for a congressman, um, volunteering, doing volunteer work on campaigns, interning for a governor, to then going into community-based education and working in a very small rural community, to then really being interested in getting my PhD, continuing to explore really community education and community participation. And when I went to, to get my doctorate, I was really introduced to this world of leadership as a discipline. And I was incredibly, incredibly lucky. And, and Dan and Lauren, you both know how influential people in higher education can be, particularly as you're pursuing your doctorate. And I was wildly lucky to have um, a professor, several professors, but I'm thinking of one in particular, um, who really was incredibly gracious and said, let's talk about this leadership thing. And then I became a TA for them. Um, and I, I never looked back. I, I found this discipline and just knew this was where I was meant to be. This is where I was meant to, to study and, and teach and learn and grow. I was really, really lucky to be able to find gainful faculty employment post my doctoral program, which I do not take for granted because I know that that is, um, that is an incredibly hard road to pursue. But I was incredibly lucky. I got a faculty position right out of, of my doctoral program, um, being able to do leadership work. Um, and so, and being a part of ALE as a graduate student, um, my first ALE was 2001 low those many years ago. Um, and so being a member of the association, being engaged on the board, um, much like you said, Dan, having people reach out and encourage um, and mentor and, and really sponsor and promote. And then when the editor's position came open, I was incredibly, incredibly humbled that several people reached out and said, we think you should do this. We think you should, we think you should be the person. Um, I will be 100% honest. I laughed at the time. I was like, you are clearly on something. Um, but uh, lots of encouragement, lots of poking, lots of text messages and emails. And so I threw my hat in the ring and I was appointed by the board. How interesting. You're kind of making your way and someone was like, oh, come on. We know you can do this. Um, I, I wonder, though, what about you did they see that, you know, really made them feel like you would be a great person in this role, but then also kind of how did that match up with, you know, the skill set you had, the experience that you had, it, it's kind of figuring out, because uh, I, I know for a lot of people, when you're asked to do certain things, it, it's figuring out what can I do, and then what what is a growth opportunity for me, right? Um, and how do I make a decision between kind of what I can do and what's a growth opportunity? How did, how did that kind of pan out for you? Oh, well, I'll give you the names of the people who tapped me after the podcast, and you can definitely ask them that first question. 
Um, I don't know that I should be the one to answer that, but um, I would, I'll definitely tackle that second. Um, being the editor was scary. Um, everything about it was frightening to me. Um, it was an incredible responsibility. The journal was this sort of, to me, this precious thing that had been such a foundational part of my journey as a young scholar, as a graduate student, as a, an assistant professor seeking tenure. Um, and so everything about taking that on was incredibly frightening. Um, but it was the kind of frightening that was a good frightening. It was the kind of frightening that I would imagine people who bungee jump feel. I, I do not bungee jump, but I'm going to say it was the it was the thing that when I thought about it, as frightened as I was, as nervous as I was, I wanted to grab it. I wanted I wanted to try. I wanted to see if I could do it. In terms of my own skill set, I think um, again maybe maybe other maybe maybe the EAB should be the ones on the podcast today. Um, but I think in terms of skill set, my ability to be to be focused and detail-oriented and tenacious about certain things, I think were probably incredibly um, important in those early days as Joel was going through an incredible transition. My first year as editor, Joel got a manuscript management system. We got indexed. Um, with D we got DOI numbers, we increased uh, our reviewer numbers significantly. So there was a lot of transition. We got an author contract. There was a lot of transition that really that first year, but certainly those first couple of years. And I think people would tell you I probably um, have sort of a, a, a tenacity related to to checking the boxes and making sure that we're engaging the right people in those conversations and, and we're putting those foundational elements together that were necessary for the continued growth of the journal. So it feels like more like logistics and leadership skills than like writing and publishing. Like I, I liken it to, so when I used to run the Office of Leadership Development at Temple University, and when I went in for my interview, I knew everybody had leadership knowledge and experience. But I, I said to my my eventual boss, I said, you don't have to teach me how to process contracts. You don't have to teach me how to navigate payroll. You know, I've been doing these administrative logistical things. All you have to do is sign the paperwork to change my FOP access, you know. And, and so I, I feel like, though, that's important to surface because often we think the skills that we have will help us do that next job. And, and yeah, the, the writing and the publishing experience matters and is important, but you highlight, you know, I have to teach all these people this new technology and this new software and implement it into a system I may not even know from the back end, right? So I feel like it's important to highlight those because they're just as valuable as kind of this other experience that folks have. Absolutely. And I also think, um... I really just enjoy being in a spot where I can gather people. And being a journal editor is a little like gathering people. You're gathering authors, you're gathering reviewers on some level, you continue to gather the EAB, which is our editorial advisory board. 
you bring people together, you're a connector of people. And there's something about that related to the vibrancy of our scholarship that again, was, it was really important to me personally, but it was a really attractive part of the job as well. Yeah. I mean, from an outsider looking in, um, although, you know, this transition happened and I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, was it like 2014, 15? I was, I was appointed February, 2013. Okay. That sounds right. Cause I remember I had, I, I must've just been, I must've just joined the board as, as um, secretary. And I remember cause the journal used to, it used to be like we had the Association of Leadership Educators, and then there was this journal that was also part of the association, right? And it was a very, um, I don't want to say heated, but we definitely talked a lot about understanding, and you did a great job of helping us understand the importance of creating some some separation, but still, you know, it's still a partnership, but it was, it's not under the umbrella of the association anymore. Is that is that accurate? So I think the relationship between Joel and ALE um, has has always been a strong one, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, I say all the time, the rising tide raises all ships because <laughs> we are intimately sort of intertwined with mm-hmm. one another. I think what was important as I became the editor was to create space for Joel to be recognized as a journal of merit, as mm-hmm. a journal of integrity, and not have people think of it as an extension of like conference proceedings, right? Right. That it was a, a journal that, um, that sort of, I, I never want to say stand alone. We don't stand alone, right? We stand with and, and in parallel to ALE. Um, but that there was a level of editorial independence there that it wasn't like the ALE board was sitting around being like, hmm, who in our <laughs> membership list hasn't published yet? Like, let's tap them. <laughs> Right. right. That that wasn't happening. It was it was a journal of integrity, a journal of merit. Yeah. And I think it always has been. I mean, I remember as a doctoral student, you know, you're trying to find your academic, not only your academic home, but like, you know, you're trying to find articles for your dissertation research or what have you. And I remember, I mean, I can I wish I could have like marked the date on my calendar. But, you know, as someone who has now immersed himself in this field, finding that there was a home for my like academic pursuits and there was an actual journal that was of, you know, leadership education, which is what I was really diving into and certainly identify as, as a leadership educator was definitely, I, I don't know, uh, cathartic. <laughs> Maybe that's exaggerating to say it was a cathartic experience, but it was like, oh my gosh, there's a there's a whole group of scholars and there's a field of practice that uh, and folks are doing are doing the type of work that I that I um, aspire to to do. And well I haven't I didn't meet any other journal editors other than Barry Boyd and then and then yourself, but you know, being both of y'all, and I want to speak to like when you took it on in particular, I mean, just how transformational you were. And you talked about, you know, getting the DOI numbers and moving it to its own server or interface. What mm-hmm. was the term? Yep. We moved it to its own server. We took it off the ALE website in an effort to, to, to demonstrate to the wider world what folks in ALE always knew. And that mm-hmm. was, this is an amazing journal. Right. Like, Come find out about it. Yeah. And you and your team have been, and this is not the case with um, most um, journal uh, editorial boards, like y'all are so responsive. Like that is 
that is just definitely one of the, when people, when new scholars or graduate students are asking me about where should I publish? What do you think? Can I send something to the edit, to the editorial board? Are they going to get back to me? I'm like, they are absolutely amazing. And y'all have one of the best turnaround times with respect to manuscripts and review, like in the industry. I mean, it's, it's outstanding. I know that that's, that's a pride point for you, right, Jackie? It is in fact, um, <laughs> it is in fact, Dan, thank you for bringing that up. Um, once a, an article goes to review, we have a turnaround time of about 25 days. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for, yeah. For, we're on Zoom, yeah, y'all, and uh, Lauren's mouth just dropped. <laughs> and it's because, and I'm going to brag about my team, because I think it's important, again, as the editor, I'm always probably the most public face, but what I want to do is talk about the team that that stands with me, our editorial advisory board. And I will tell you, and I will, you know, that meme that like a guy is sitting there and he's like, says something on the sign and says, fight me about it. I will fight anybody who says we do not have the best reviewers in the business. We absolutely do. Um, but it is the ethos that of this journal and always has been that Joel is a home for anyone who wants to be engaged in this discussion of this discipline. Um, and you can and should provide a rigorous, thorough review quickly. You can do that. Those two things are not mutually exclusive because if, right, like, People want to know, people want to get their ideas out there. They want to get their research out there and we want them to get their research out there as well. So yeah, um, that is a point of pride, right? That, that we do an incredibly rigorous review process, but we do it in mind that the discipline needs these ideas out there. So let's, let's do it quickly. Let's, let's move with intention. Um, my board hears that a lot. Let's yeah. move with intention. And the journal definitely fits, you know, to speaking to your point, it definitely meets this niche area. And we're having some other editorial boards and teams and, and editors on this season um, from like the Journal of Management Education, as an example. And like they're filling specific niche areas too. This, as this field has emerged in particular over the last like 20 years or so, where we're seeing, you know, where we just had a couple hundred leadership uh, in organizational studies or agricultural leadership or, or similar types of departments, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Now we've got close to 2000. And this journal is absolutely a, a collection of the scholarship of, of teaching and learning and education and training and development and corporate education. And it's just, it's, I love how uh, where how it's evolved to provide you know this like ev evidence-based forum for scholars and student affairs practitioners and other folks that identify as leadership educators and that it's grounded in in leadership theory as well and we see a lot of that scales scales and instruments have been explored and validated um, in the journal and you know you see how uh, programs being evaluated teaching practices being evaluated and shared I mean what, what are some other things you might share as far as like the focus area um, and the in the niche area that, that Joel meets? Yeah, so you listed a ton of them. And I think one of the things that I have always appreciated is that um, the, the folks who review for the journal really look at every piece on its merit and, and how, and ask the bigger question of what is this going to contribute to the larger field? How is this going to broaden and deepen our practice? How is this going to broaden and deepen 
our methods. And so I think all of that is certainly true, right? We have had lots of articles where people are talking about, you know, new survey instruments. We have folks who are um, doing really interesting classroom and learning environment type practice that they want to get out there. Um, and it it's always really cool. I mean, I've been a journal editor since 2013, but it's always really cool to me when people will, you know, will release an issue and then a month or two later, I'll get an email and someone will say, dear editor, I read X email in your journal and I implemented it and it was really great. Or I read this thing and I didn't know about it, or I read about this theory and I'd never heard about it. And it's, it's going to help me in my work this way. I think like, I never get tired of that. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, you'll get tired of it. No, I don't. I'm, I'm never tired of it. Like I always want those emails. I want to know that the journal is having that kind of impact. And I think the diversity of the things that you will see, whether it's folks conceptualizing new theory or conceptualizing existing theories in new ways, or talking about broadening our, broadening our methodological practice or our pedagogical practice, I think all of those things matter, but I think the depth of which we do that, right, is what makes Joel so special. Or read an article and decided to do a podcast podcast episode about it. You can add that. Yes, to, for sure. Because I, I think about us, like when we have, we, we kind of have a sense of what's going on, but we still need some, some, something to affirm that it's not just our biased opinion. And I know Joel has been a space where we've gone in and said, oh yeah, we were thinking about that. And, and let's learn a little bit more. We've definitely done that for sure. Um, you know, I, I think about though, I guess when you stepped into this role, cause you've been in the role for 10 years, you talked about the software, you know, introducing that, talked about your, the vision for Joel, like what other like opportunities have emerged um, either with the editorial staff or contributing art authors that maybe you didn't expect to have, have happen um, that, that did happen and, and was really cool as a result? Um, that's a great question, Lauren. Um, and it's one of my favorites because when I took the job, um, I naively really thought people were going to submit articles and I would send them for review and then they would either get accepted or rejected or revise and resubmit and we would publish them and then that's it, right? That's my job. What Joel has always been, but I have been incredibly excited to be a part of since, since I have been the editor is watching folks read an article and then say, hey, um, I just wanted you to know I connected with this person, or if I'm at ALE or ILA and someone will come up and say, hey, I read this journal article in Joel and I reached out to the author and now we're doing X, Y, or Z project. Um, or, you know, one of the EAB members, you know, past or present who has served on the EAB now editing other journals because of their experience being on Joel's EAB, right? I think, I think that connection, right, that we have with one another, um, I didn't realize how um, important and meaningful that would be and that would become to me personally, to just hear about people saying, I read this in the journal and so I reached out. Um, the times that I have had a journal reviewer 
read an article and then contact me and say, okay, I know you can't tell me who the author is because of double blind peer review, but I'm so excited about what's in this article. If I email you <laughs> like a, a thing to send to the author, would you email it to them so that I can talk to them like right now? <laughs> because I'm so excited about what I just read. And those are cool moments, right? Because then I get to sort of play like Santa Claus slash Easter Bunny slash Fairy Godmother, whatever, and send an email and say, hey, one of your peer review, you know, one of your peer reviewers is super excited and they have, they want to talk to you. Is it okay? Do you feel comfortable if I send you this email that they've written to me? And the answer is always yes, because no, you know, nobody's going to turn down the opportunity to hear about how great they are because we need that as people. We love that. Um, yes, please send me an email that someone's excited about my work. Um, and doing those kind of connections is like amazing. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the great things about it. Yeah. I, I never would have guessed the articles are a source of relationship building, but it makes complete sense. I, I teach a class, um, in group di on group dynamics and we talk about relationship building and they're always like, kind of like, you can't build relationships. Like over Zoom or over Canvas. And I'm like, listen, if you saw your favorite TikToker walking down the street, you'd go over and say, hey, I watch your TikTok videos all the time. Uh, you know, I love them. And you'd start a conversation. You would feel like you know them. I think for those of us who may be not on TikTok, if you saw your favorite movie star walking down the street, you know, you may feel like you could go over and you've only ever seen them through these virtual platforms. It adds like this other layer uh, to the ways in which we use technology to build those relationships. And, and it's almost like it's always been there, but we don't think about it. We're not aware that that's what's happening as a result. It's like a lovely byproduct. It really is. And I love being at ALE or ILA or another, another space. And I'm having a conversation with someone about something that they're really interested in, because that's another really cool part of this job, Lauren, is someone will come up and say, Jackie, I'm really interested in this or that. Um, what's going on in the journal right now? What's coming down the pike related to this topic? Is there anything? Um, and if something has been done or someone's really interested, I can say, hold on, let me introduce you to... And you know, I'm looking across a conference room or I'm looking across you know, wherever, and I'm like, let me find this person. Let me take you over and, and do an introduction because I know they're interested in that too, or I know they're talking about that or thinking about that too. So being able, I mean, you do have a really inside information, sort of the, the preview look of what's coming down the pike of what people are interested in. You get to see it before the world does. And so being able um, to, to put people together, introduce people or, or make those connections has been really, really um, very, very cool and, and such a special part of this job. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely say it's it's one of the most rewarding journals to review for. Um, I probably, I don't know, a dozen, maybe more um, articles I've reviewed. In, oh, in, in more than a dozen, Dan. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> probably. Yeah, um, for sure. You're always really good about and your team of, of getting me stuff that's in my in my wheelhouse. So I appreciate that. And and it's there's, you know, I mean, 
you know, review being a reviewer obviously comes with with its 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 uh, perks and but also challenges as far you know. And the perks are exactly what you said. You know, being able to read um, really really cool groundbreaking research or, or inquiry before it before it comes out, but also you know being able to provide some insight and some um, and some recommendations and um, and and other research and scholarship that's associated with it, and and you know, and just doing the best you can as a as a reviewer, I mean, um, and you're always looking for reviewers, right? How can how can folks um, sign up to be reviewers? Yeah, absolutely. I never turn down a good reviewer. Um, <laughs> so if someone is interested in being a reviewer for the journal, it's very easy. You send me an email of interest at joel.editor at gmail.com and attach an abbreviated CV. We'll, t- we'll take a look at it. And then I will put you to work post haste. Yeah, and she's not lying. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so, and and that's something too. I always really push, um, you know, graduate students. You know, when they're ready. You know, doc, usually doctoral level. Um, you know, is 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 kind of where you might uh, start doing the, this type of work. And and the team's really good about making sure that, that the articles are appropriate for for your review too, um, which I've always appreciated. I and. Um, but I guess to, to transition a little bit from, from that, I mean, one of the things that I also really love about the journal, you alluded to this a little bit is, as how, um, folks that are reading the journal might not only reach out to the editorial team or the authors, but being able to use what is being read, like readily in the classroom. Um, I remember one of the, um, when I was doing some of my dissertation research, so that, so I actually pulled up the article on, on the website. So this is from 08, um, but I was looking for literature on using simulations, um, as pedagogy in the classroom, because, um, I was, I was investigating the use of instructional strategies, um, for my dissertation. And I came across this one called, uh, simulations as a source of learning using star power, uh, to teach ethical leadership and management. It was actually written by Scott Allen, who we've had on the podcast before, and who's another good, uh, a good friend of the, uh, of ours in the podcast. And I was just, it was one of these things where I'd never heard of star power. And for those that are listening, like, oh, really? Well, so this was, this was a dozen years ago, <laughs> but folks, but that I'd, I had no idea. It was one of the most used simulations um, in the leadership classroom to, you know, talk about ethics and bias and uh, culture, you know, hierarchy and all kinds of other uh, ethical ideas and learning goals and what have you. And um, being able to actually access literature about it, as opposed to just a teaching or instructor's guide was really, really developmental for me because it was a type of research that I, that I wanted to do. Uh, what, what are some ways that, that you've used the journal in your classroom, Jackie? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, it's really, it's really funny, Dan, because I've been in the classroom now 20 years and having been the editor for this long, I will admit to being purely selfish and every application piece that comes in, obviously I get to see it first. And I'm always like, how can I use this? Like, how can I freshen up what I'm doing, right? By using these things, um, by using whatever, you know, people are talking about. And so I find myself, right? Like, I love trying new things in the classroom. And so Joel is like an endless source of stuff to try because people are doing really incredible evidence-based work, um, you know, theoretically grounded work. Um, and so I, it, I'm, I'm a hundred percent selfish in this, right? Like I could see all of them before, right? Before everybody else gets to see it. 
Um, and so I have found myself, I, I don't even, I can't even count. I, I literally, to be a hundred percent honest, I probably cannot count how many articles have come in that are application. And I'm like looking at like, how did you debrief this? Oh, like these are the kinds of questions that you asked, huh? I could use that if I tweak it a little bit, I could use that in my organization's class or, oh, like this person is talking about, you know, using this kind of, of, you know, thing in their team's class. And I teach a team's class. So I'm like, oh, okay, like here's what I'm doing in my team's class. And we have, you know, we have a discussion on, and Lauren, you said group dynamics, right? So you know, in my team's class, when we teach group dynamics, I'm like, okay, like I need to freshen up the the group dynamics. And I will tell you, I will be the first to admit, like I'm old and my pop culture references are beginning to get dated sadly. And so I followed Joel. I'm like, what are the young people using as pop culture references right now? Because sometimes I like, I land a great joke with a pop culture reference and my students are like, What? And then I'm like, okay, well, here's your homework for the day. I'm going to need you to look up that movie or that song or that, or that TV show or whatever on, on the YouTubes or wherever you're getting your things so that like you get how great that joke was that you just missed. And now note to me, I will freshen up that reference. Um, so in all those ways, right, I am a selfish user of what's happening in the journal. Um, I also think I've been really, really lucky in that watching what comes down the pike in terms of research as well, right? The questions that are being asked, um, being able to see the change and the ebb and the flow of the way that our discipline is asking questions, the kinds of questions that they're asking um, is really, really inspiring. And, and as someone who works with graduate students, being able to see that ebb and flow just sharpens the way that we mentor graduate students, right? Like. Here's the kinds of questions that are coming down the pike. That should help frame the kinds of questions you want to ask, the kinds of questions you want to explore. So yeah, I'm a selfish user of the journal and selfish only in so much as I get to do it first. <laughs> I, get the, I get the preview seat, which is amazing and wonderful. It's like being a movie screener and seeing a movie that you know everybody is gonna love and is excited yes. and it totally delivers. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's so funny. I, I intentionally start class with, you know, my values and one of my values is humor. And I tell my students like these jokes are going to land, whether you laugh or not, you might as well go ahead and enjoy them. But like my favorite one is, um, Oh, I'm verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. It's like an old SNL reference. And yep. the first time I had to go dig out the video and say, okay, here's the video from this joke. And I realized I don't know if I was even born when the video came out. I know they definitely weren't born. And but there are a couple of students who were in my class who get it. And I feel like it's a way to connect with those like non-traditional older students in just a really different way. Cause they end up kind of explaining, okay, so here's the context to this joke or to this story. Uh, and it kind of helps them build a little rapport. So I feel you on the outdated references. I also too started saying, okay, what are y'all talking about? What are you interested in? And, and then having them make the metaphor for me, I learned a lot about like Skims and Kim Kardashian and Taylor Swift. And, and I find that putting it on them helps them get excited. I, I also cheated a little bit. My 22 year old, I'd ask him questions like, what did your teacher say about this? 
and he would give me the answer. And now that he's an adult and he's out of the house, like I don't have those ready-made references before. So now I will add, I mean, I already read the journal anyway, but I'll add, make sure I look for pop culture references in the journal articles. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the students who have had me more than once know that at least once a week, I make the joke, like back in the day, when I went to camp, when I rode my pterodactyl to campus and like they say it with me and one of my advisees actually made a meme of me riding a pterodactyl and it hangs in my office, um, which I love so much. Um, but yeah, like I, I freely admit that I'm potentially no longer on the cusp of cutting edge pop culture references. I love that. And I, I might ask that you, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing that photo, I would love to, I would love to see a picture of, of that I'm, meme. I'd love to share it. <laughs> I will definitely share it. So other than, than pterodactyl writing as your mode of transportation to the classroom, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today about the journal or, or anything else that you think our listeners would uh, be able to learn from uh, this process or this resource? I think... The journal has always been such a great place for scholars, regardless of where they are in their journey. Yeah. Um, whether they are brand new, emerging graduate students publishing for the first time, or they are veterans, right, who have had tenure for 20 years and are, are still working and, and publishing and everything in between. Our journal is a space that is for everybody. Um, we want it to be a space for everybody. We want people to to feel welcomed into this discourse in that way. Um, I am so excited about what's coming. You know, as I look at, um, we just had the journal's 20th anniversary um, and did a retrospective sort of where the journal has been, which is great. It's great to look back on 20 years, but I'm so excited about what's coming, right? I'm excited about the critical questions that we're asking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm excited about the questions that are being asked related to methodological practice, decolonizing our research practices. I'm excited at the innovations that are coming through technology, whether that's AI um, or, you know, or connectivity, the ways in which we're connecting with folks across you know, cultural barriers, all of that, all of that that is coming, right, is super, super exciting. And I, and I want people to be a part of that. I want people to be a part of that, to share the great work that they're doing, whether that's in research or practice, um, because this space is for all of us. If you are engaged in leadership education, this is our space. Um, and so I, I want people to be to be welcomed, to feel welcomed, to feel engaged, to, to be a part of that. My plug, Dan, as you know, because you've heard it, we have a rolling submission. We take um, submissions 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, there's no like deadline. 25 days once the article goes to review is our average time, average time um, in review. And so we are very quick. Um, but the review is always developmental. It's always thorough because of great reviewers like you and the others that are on our review team. And so I just, I, that's my final plug. Like, please, please come to the website and get involved, submit, review. This is our space. We want everybody to be in it. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah, and it's a community of practice for sure. And I always um, appreciated and, and admired um, how inclusive Joel has been of both the curricular and co-curricular and, and non-higher ed spaces with respect to leadership, education, training, and, and development. So yeah, Jackie, thank you so much for your time today. We so appreciate your comments and your work towards publishing Journal of Leadership Education with your amazing team of editors and your EAB and all the reviewers and wish you best of luck this semester. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at theleadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators the Association of Leadership Educators, and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.